Welcome to the fourth installment of the Project Management Series. Today's show, we continue our Project Management Series by discussing the execution and monitoring and controlling phases of the Project Management Lifecycle and how it applies to you in the ICT industry. Don't hang up that phone. We've found what you're looking for. Welcome to the Let's Talk Cabling Podcast with Chuck Bowser, RCDD. Well, seeing how we're pulling Category 6A, the most powerful twisted pair in the world. you got to ask yourself this one question. Did I pull 295 or 300 feet? Well, do you feel lucky? Do you punk? In this podcast, you'll learn the differences between a 66 and 110 punch tool, the proper way to install a support cable, along with testing and certifying the cable. What exactly does RCDD stand for? Registered Communications Distribution Designer. Just the expert you need to ensure your cable plant performs exactly as designed. The elite professional, knowledgeable, and experienced in leading edge ICT design principles. So join us as we talk about the ever-changing world of telecommunications. From ISP to OSP, from copper to fiber, design to installation. Now, send the new guy to the truck for a bucket of dial tone and the cable stretchers while you listen to an informative program on telecommunications. Welcome to the show where we tackle tough questions submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, IT personnel, and customers. On this show, we connect at the human level so we can connect the world. If you're watching this on YouTube, would you please hit the subscribe button and the bell button to be notified. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, please submit a review. Both of these steps help us beat the algorithm so we can get this show out to more people. The contest for the Bixie Field Pocket Guide giveaway has ended and the winner has been notified and posted on LinkedIn. So make sure you go there to congratulate them. We are not publishing any After Hours series until after the holidays. We are accepting questions, though, for the next show, which will be hosted on January 7th. So make sure to email your questions to questions at letstalkcabling.com. The process for our branding and move to the new name, letstalkcabling.com, is nearly complete. There you will find all the previous audio podcasts, recorded, all the After Hours sessions, and any published articles. There you also find a tab to show you how to support the channel. Make sure you click on the Support Us tab, and there's a way you can help support the channel either as an individual or as a corporation. So let's get on with today's show. Execution, Monitoring, and Controlling Phases of the Project Management Lifecycle. Last week, we discussed initiating and the planning phases. If you have not heard those, make sure you go back and download those episodes. So let's start off with executing. It is almost time for action. This is where all the planning that you did in the planning phase gets put to the test. We're launching the project and we're taking it from paper to reality. You bring the crew in and you explain the rules that will guide your project. First, you'll need to acquire the team. Every company is a little different. With smaller companies, you may already know each and every one of those team members. You already know their capabilities, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses. And this goes a long way with developing crews and crew assignments. However, even with this scenario, there still may be somebody assigned to your crew or your project that you're not familiar with. 
either because they're a new hire or you just have not had the opportunity to work with them yet. With larger companies, you may not know any of the people assigned to your project or your team. Or you might even have subcontractors or you might even have temporary labor. Before you start building your team, it's a good practice to bring each one individually in and talk with them. Find out what their skill sets are. Find out what is their job title. How long have they been doing this work? You are essentially conducting a a mini job interview for your project. Tip number one, don't assume because they have a job title that they know what they are doing. I had a project supervisor put on one of my projects once for a project I did in Niles, Ohio. I I did not interview him because the company sent him out as a replacement for another project supervisor in the middle of the project. So I put him in charge of a crew. Shortly after, the members of that crew came to me privately and started complaining. I thought it was just sour grapes. I thought they were just mad because the company sent out a new project supervisor and didn't give them the opportunity to take that person's place. So once the issue came to a head, I brought that project supervisor into my construction trailer and I interviewed him as I did with the rest of the crew at the beginning of the project. I found out that that person had basically no experience and the reason he was given the position of project supervisor was because he was somebody's cousin. Not only did this impact the productivity in my schedule, it also impacted the morale of my crew and their ability to have faith in me to lead them. I learned from that episode that when doing these type of interviews, you need to go beyond asking them what their title was. Give them a realistic example and tell them how would they solve it. And did they solve it in a way that a person with experience would solve that very same issue? After you are familiar with everybody on the project team, then you're ready to start building smaller teams. For example, the cable pulling team, the terminating team, the fiber termination team. You may be running a small project where everybody on that team is a, is, 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 fits all those roles. And that is okay. In many ways, it makes your job easier as a project manager. There's less moving parts. Once the teams are built, then you need to conduct a project kickoff meeting with your team members. This meeting, it can be short as just as a few minutes. It can be 15 minutes or even longer. It just depends on the size of your project and the size of the crew. By the way, this also applies even if you're doing just a 20 cable project. Communication goes a long way with ensuring peak performance of your crew. In essence, you're telling them where the goal lines are and what is out of bounds. Let me give you an example. How would a football team know if they won if they didn't know where the goal line was placed? Or what the score was? How would they know what plays are legal or not legal if they didn't know where the out-of-bound lines are? So your project might be so large that you might have smaller goals first, like getting to the first down, or crossing the center line, or approaching the goal line as they do in football. Some smaller goals in the ICT rule might look something like completing cable pulling phase by a certain date, completing the terminations or the closet build-outs by certain dates. During this meeting, you'll also be covering any safety considerations and how they might be mitigated. It's also good to cover when the day starts, what time is lunch, when they can take breaks, and when is quitting time. Also cover any performance or safety infractions or any other issues that might arise and how you plan on dealing with them. This is all about setting the expectations, i.e. 
the sidelines that each football player has to know where it is so that when they run down the field, they can stay inside those lines and they don't suffer the consequences if they don't follow those rules. Tip number two, if it's possible, have the customer present at your kickoff meeting. Have them explain to your crew the backstory of the project. Why is this project important to the customer? How is this project going to impact or improve their business? Maybe even tell them how the local community is going to be improved because of this project. This helps the crew identify with the customer and creates a larger sense of a team. They're also more likely to hit the goals if they understand the impact of what they're doing or what they have going on and if they didn't. This will also help you nurture your relationship with the customer. You can even have this meeting without the customer. But I have found typically they perform better when it is done. Tip number three, when making sure to cover the process of the change order request forms. Which persons are responsible for requesting change orders and which ones are authorized? Make sure that they get signed. What is the signing process? What's the execution process? Because your dudes can be monitoring the budgets and the schedule, you will want to be aware of anything. And of course, part of that process is making sure that anything that affects the budgets or the schedule on your project. Now, getting back to our kickoff meeting, you also want to cover the task or the units that are associated with that project and how to document it on a timesheet. And what are their goals, their daily goals? What are their weekly goals or any other time allocation that you might have picked? For example, a unit. What is that unit? One of the units we do is pulling cable. Does that cable include you know, just pulling the cable or does it actually include dropping it on both sides? Does it include putting in the support systems or not? Or those different tasks? How many of those should they do in a day? As I mentioned in a previous podcast, I also like to encourage competitive environments so that way everybody benefits. The project gets done faster, the customer benefits, the crew gets a reputation for being good at what they do, and you get a good reputation for being a good project manager. These tasks will be created either at the estimating stage or during the kickoff meeting held at the planning stage between you, the project manager, and the estimator. Next, the same thing at that same meeting, make sure that you cover where any important documentation will be kept, such as blank timesheets or completed timesheets, blueprints, project schedules, meeting notes, or any other related information that they may need. What is the process for turning in timesheets? When are those timesheets due by? Who is the person that will sign off on those timesheets? What happens if one of the timesheets is not turned in or if it's not completed correctly? What's the process for fixing that? The project monitoring and controlling phase starts at the same time as the execution phase. In case you may not know what project monitoring is, it's collecting data so you, the project manager, knows where your project stands. While there are many things to track, the big ones are going to be labor, material, and schedule. That way you can communicate the status of the project to any stakeholder, internal or external. A project will rarely go exactly as planned and how you respond to those changes, those problems, or the occasional surprises to your project. Controlling is about monitoring and the controlling the course of your project and the ability to being able to take it and steer it in the direction to put that project back on course. Smaller projects are typically harder to control because by the time the data starts to accumulate to where you can actually interpret it and understand it, the project's either done or close to being done. A larger project affords you more time. You have the ability to look at that data as it collects 
and then make those course corrections so that your ship sails in a correct direction. The three main goals of this phase are to check the progress of the report project, comparing it to what was planned, and forecasting out the remaining work to see if you are ahead of schedule or behind schedule. Checking progress of the project is accomplished through two primary tools, timesheets and project schedules. A detailed timesheet should be produced by either the crew or the individual, depending on the task. And not only do they document how many hours they work for payroll, but they also need to document how many units they installed on that day. So if you told the crew during the kickoff meeting that they were expected to pull 15,000 feet of cable a day, which is really just a different way of tracking how much cable instead of using the drop method as I discussed earlier, then you then they will know if they are ahead of schedule or behind schedule for the day. You, as the project manager, must compile that information from every crew and compile it so that you have a large picture view. If one of your crews is not consistently meeting their daily goals, not one day glitch, but I mean consistently not meeting their goals, then you need to investigate. Don't automatically assume that the crew is goofing off. It might be a logistics issue. For example, where is the cable stored and what's the process for getting it to the actual location? Is there delays in the freight elevator or there long waits for the freight elevator? Is there another trade slowing them down? For example, did the electricians not have the cable tray completely installed yet? Are there, a success, are there access issues to the site where they are not where they're working? And finally, is there an issue with the crew? Remember my story earlier about the project superintendent? Hmm. Yeah, that crew was consistently behind and that affected the performance of the other crews as well. While I primarily focused on labor, you're going to want to track material, travel and expenses, equipments, training, permitting, trash removal, and all other direct costs associated with that project that were identified in the estimate. Comparing it to what is planned and is done at the crew level as described just a few minutes ago and also the project manager level. You will be compiling all that data and comparing it to the project schedule. This is why as a project manager, you must insist that the estimator provide you with a project schedule. If one is not provided and you can't get one, then you need to create one from the information that you have because you need both components. A project schedule is just a quick visual way that you can compare your progress with where you're supposed to be in terms of units or tasks. You can also forecast out remaining work to ensure that the project deadline is met. This is where all the math magic happens. There are a few different ways to apply this and determine if your project is going as planned. Don't assume just because you have consumed 50% of your financial budget on the project and you're 50% of the way through the duration of the time that you're allotted to do this project that everything's peachy keen because you might have only accomplished 25% of your work. The best way I've seen to track a project is through earned value analysis. I've learned this doing federal government projects. Earned value analysis could be just a series of shows just by itself. However, it's simply the financial value of the project is earned based on the work it completed. It will enable you, the project manager, to monitor the schedule at cost performance. The three components of EVA are planned value, earned value, and actual costs for completed work. Planned value is just the estimated cost to complete the work. 
through the schedule status day that you're comparing it against. You may hear it called a budgeted cost of work schedule. Earned value is the value of work by completing the work. Budgeted cost of work performed is another term you might hear that. Then the actual cost for completed work is exactly how much it costs you to perform that work. It depends on the crew makeup, labor rates, and how much it actually took you to complete that work. Your tracking mechanism is going to be a chart that plots out those three data points. The horizontal axis is going to be the time. The vertical axis will be the cost. You're going to want to see the earned value above the planned value and the actual cost below the earned value. As long as it's doing that, then you know that you're doing fine on your project. Tracking all this information can be done through many different methods from paper to spreadsheets to project management software to even a proprietary system that your company might have created. I've used all three. My first years as a project manager, I used accounting paper and I manually tracked the progress of each task. While this appealed to me because of my weird love of numbers, it has a lot of problems associated with it. A lot of drawbacks, like no backup. You lose a notebook, it's gone forever. Bad handwriting, mistakes, especially the small ones, can be extremely hard to find. And if you know about them, then you can find them. If you don't know about them, you just don't know why it's off. You assume that your numbers are correct. But there's, to me, there's always a pleasing tactile reward for this type of method of entry. But again, have you ever tried balancing a checkbook? Sometimes you'll beat your brains out trying to do that. So spreadsheets also fall into this category, except for you don't have to worry about somebody's poor handwriting. And if it's done correctly, you probably have a backup to that spreadsheet somewhere. Project management software systems are really great once you get past the huge learning curve with them. They are complicated and may require a specific license for each project manager. They may require a computer or some kind of a tablet and also may even require network connectivity, which, let's be honest, on a new construction site, that's going to be hard to get. The reports they generate will be only as good as the information that you put inside of them, and they may be hard to read and interpret. When everything gets done correctly, though, the experience with these are going to be the best systems out there, and all the other systems will fall aside, fall to the side. Your company may have even come up with its own proprietary tracking system. When I lived in Plano, Texas, a company that I worked for created just such a beast, and its name was Hermes, which was the god for trade. When they came up with that, that software, they released it before they finished beta testing it because they wanted to get it implemented. Well, that the problem with that is that meant that we as project managers, we had to dual track our projects for about six months. We had to track it in Hermes and track it on an old way. You really want to make a project manager mad? Ask them to do the same task twice. They're already overloaded and typically are underpaid. I left that company, though, before they finished rolling out that final product. And I heard that they eventually did get the bugs worked out of them, but it took them two years. One issue with this type of system, though, is that the company better have software and computer engineers working for the company because they will be making changes. They will be doing updates. If it was sole source outside of the company and then after the project's done creating that, that software system, then there's nobody there to support that software system. In that case, why didn't you just buy the project management software to begin with? So we'll cover a bunch of information today. And I hope you, oh, your homework assignment, if you choose to accept this challenge, look up earned value analysis and learn how to apply it 
it is going to be the one critical component that has typically helped me to be successful as a project manager. Next episode will be about project closure, and then one after that will be the interview with a project management professional, a PMP, and an RTPM. So until then, be safe. And by the way, happy holidays. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.